Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest introduced to you now. Stephen Thomas, known online as a zero-carb coach, debunks and dispels many popular myths about nutrition, fitness, and aging. In the past, while eating a high-carbohydrate, low-fat diet, Stephen was a semi-professional soccer player, won a singles tennis tournament, and had run some middle-distance races. But his health was poor, as he experienced frequent colds and struggled with several other health issues. Stephen eventually learned about low-carbohydrate diets, and he decided to try it out himself. The switch was a big improvement from eating a high-carbohydrate diet that he had been eating all his life. Still, on low-carb, results were not as good as he wanted. Stephen continued to lower his dietary carbohydrate intake and moved towards eating, uh, being a thinner and thinner athlete and is much more healthy on a zero-carbohydrate carnivore diet. On carnivore, his body fat percentage dropped and his muscle mass increased. His pre-diabetes, athlete's foot, and facial and skin rashes are gone, and he has much more energy and is stronger than he's ever been. You can find him at zerocarbcoach.com. Stephen Thomas, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. Oh, hi. Yeah, that was a lovely introduction. Thanks for that. It's really interesting when you hear your life read out by somebody else. <laughs> Always <laughs> makes me go, wow, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's definitely me. I guess I did all that stuff. It's great. And yeah, as we tell all of our guests, if any point in this conversation, you want me to read that out for you again, I would be more than happy to do that. We can we can repeat it five or six times if you like. <laughs> if you're feeling that's down okay. on yourself, just let me know and we'll read it again. It's totally great. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I am a big fan of the Rivero podcast. Obviously, that's a company that both of us do some coaching with, and you were recently hosted on their podcast with Dr. Sean Baker. And I was about 10 or 15 minutes in when I was like, I got to get this guy on our show. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask him a few questions, get him really wound up and just let him talk because you are so energetic and passionate about this message. (laughs) And I absolutely love it. It's totally infectious. And I really appreciate that. That's great. Thank you. That's really nice. Um, Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, going on Sean's show was really good. I, I suppose also you you need to know I, I coach at the Steak and Butter Gang as, as well. That's the main part of my coaching, actually, is with um, Bella. Do you, I don't know if you know Bella, the Steak yeah. and Butter Gang. Yeah, she's great. We love yeah. following her as well. She's great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, going on Sean's podcast was great because that's where I started. Definitely, um, it was interesting. That was Meet RX, actually, when I started, which I still think is a great name. But, um, yeah, they've gone to Riviera. And I met some fantastic people there. But it was a really, really great place to learn because, I mean, Sean Baker just is brilliant. Uh, what you see on YouTube is great, but actually what you see behind the scenes is even greater. He's very passionate. He's very giving. He gives a lot of his time. Um, some of the things I must admit, when I first heard him, I thought, well, this guy talks a bit too much about politics. It's not really enough, uh, enough about nutrition. But I now, and certainly after the last two years, we see that politics and nutrition are absolutely interweaved. Um, so you do have to talk about it because if you want people to eat a healthy diet, you've got to push back against the mainstream media. You've got to push back against the processed foods. See, I'm sounding like Sean, but it's true. <laughs> Uh, you you know it's a huge profitable business with a really big powerful marketing machine and if you've got people you're trying to make fit and healthy and they're convinced that what you're saying although it makes sense and they're seeing it in themselves they still hear these adverts they still see these experts they still still see um you know articles in the newspaper that are convincing them that what they're doing and seeing with their own eyes and experiencing isn't good for them and it's very frustrating and i always flip it back and say well look hang on this diet that they're still pushing to you where did it get you 
Do you remember you came to me and you were really ill and you were like me, getting tubbier, diabetic, um, you got heart conditions, blood pressure going up, skin ruining your appearance. You know, there's so many different things. I, I can't even begin to list them because there's just hundreds of them, hundreds of conditions. Uh, and now you're eating this way and you're seeing this resolution of blood pressure. You're seeing the resolution of your skin rash. You're seeing the resolution of your anxiety. You're seeing the resolution of your body composition. Now it's going the right way. Um, trust your body. Stop listening to people that have a vested interest in it, you know, and they're making big bucks out of you. You need to just dial back. Stop listening to the mainstream media. Oh, sorry, it's like a political rant already. But that is, Sean, that is Sean's influence, definitely. I still go back to basics. I still think it's all about food and eating whole foods and keeping away from processed stuff and sodas and, and the obvious things. And even just taking those out, just taking the processed foods, anything that's in a box or a bag, anything that's got tons of ingredients, if it's a seed oil, you know, definitely avoid it. And just eat good quality food, your health will improve straight away, absolutely straight away. Yeah. Within a couple of weeks, yeah. there's a resolution. So definitely that part of my life was was amazing. I can remember, well, I've never said this. I don't think I've said this publicly. I really undenied about doing this. And it was it wasn't um because of the pandemic. You know, I was I was out and about and I was training people one-to-one. Uh, I was training an Olympian athlete, a javelin thrower. Uh, you know, I was doing well, doing a lot of rehab. I've got tons of rehab stories on my website and getting people on a one-to-one basis and really pretty busy. So the online coaching wasn't, um, well, it's the pandemic. I've got to do something else. It was it was a thing I looked at and I, th- I found it very interesting. And I joined MeetRx way before that. And I wasn't particularly au fait with it. I, you know, this, even this, what we're doing now, I'm not, a, I'm not particularly comfortable with it. Maybe I come across like I am, but it's not really my thing, but I definitely have become sold on it because I can reach out and help so many people. And that's the difference. You can, I think I've heard uh, Ken Berry say this as well, going online, you can help hundreds and then thousands of people. I mean, he's a much bigger fish than me, obviously. But um, when I was doing the high carb personal training and the rehab, maybe in a month, I would have 15 people that really resolved stuff and, and did okay and lost a bit of weight and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and now it's, you know, a, a year uh, with Bella and it's it's something like 400 people I've helped. So again, still small. Yeah, thank you for the wow. But it, it's not not like thousands. I mean, if you go on the Rivero website and see the success stories, and we, we're doing that over at the Steak and Butter Gang as well. We're doing like, um, not calling them that so much, but more sort of non-scale victories and and progress reports and all those sort of things. You know, it, it's, it's, it's just fantastic. And I think the job satisfaction, I don't know if you're the same. I know you're talking to me, but I'm interested in you as an individual as well. The job satisfaction has just ramped up. It's just got better and better. And it, and definitely even the correlation from, you know, standard American diet to low carb. So that was low carb was better. Keto was even better. And now I'm carnivore. So although people do know me as a zero carb coach, I'm also the UK carnivore, which is really a bigger name now. Um, that's even, even more impactful on people's health. And I've definitely seen so much come back to me I, I really I, I get a buzz out of it basically so I go to bed every night and I, I think wow yeah 
you get your message where someone has started, they're transitioning, there's a problem. Uh, they've heard something at the doctor's, even though they've gone in and said, oh, my blood pressure's gone down, I'm off my you know, diabetic meds, I've lost 30 pounds. And the doctor says, well, that diet's going to kill you, isn't it? You know, So I still go with some frustration. It's like, wow, how can you say that when this person is getting their health back? Um, but more often than not, I go to bed thinking, this is brilliant. I mean, even tomorrow, first thing in the morning, another success story to record where, you know, although this isn't particularly a big chunk of weight, but it's 20 pounds. But the other thing, you know, off of medications, less joint pain, can walk now, isn't up six times a night peeing. So all these little things that ruin that person's life. You see, when I got into this, um, well, you know, in my 40s when I was doing the personal training, I really did zero in on body composition. It was all about aesthetics. Can you look good on the beach? All that sort of stuff. And maybe the health part of of my practice wasn't that good. I got into the rehab because I'd had a, a thing where when I was 23, I was told I'd be in a wheelchair by 50. So I had a back injury, which obviously I'm now 58 and it's not proven to be true at all. Um, so I was interested in rehab and I got into that. And then I got really interested in diabetes and obesity and why do we get fat and I did the qualifications to be a specialist practitioner in diabetes and obesity and all of a sudden resolving someone's health actually ends up with their body composition getting better so I was looking at it from the wrong end of the telescope I was looking at how can we get some body fat off these people and maybe then they get healthy whereas now I realize and it's big yeah exactly you're doing that for the people you know we're doing a crisscrossy sort of motion for the people that are only listening um it's just coming at it from a different angle. And I now actually even say to people, you know, the weight loss or the body composition, um, that's a side effect. And I know there are people out there, because I also coach them, that struggle with gaining weight, you know, or they have a you know problem with their body image, anorexia, eating disorders. So we we get both ends of the scale. And I, I must admit, since I've been doing low-carb type of thing, you know, the zero-carb and the carnivore, I definitely see that more because people want to get the right amount of nutrients back into their body and they've been scared of fat and they've avoided protein. And, and you know, some of the pictures, they look so underfed, but um, in their mind, they still feel they're a bit tubby yeah. and there is so much more to, to it than, you know, I'm, I still feel like I'm scratching the surface. Uh, but although I feel I'm doing very well and, I, you know, I've got good knowledge, you know, quite well qualified in this. I've got a master, uh, not a master's, an honours degree in physiology and health sciences. I still feel I'm learning all the time, learning all the time. The reason I said master's there was I keep contemplating doing a master's, but my wife would absolutely not want me to do that because <laughs> of the stress. But um, it, it's one of those things that I really can't believe the difference in the clients. I just can't believe, you know, in, in the Steak and Butter Gang, the members just constantly coming to meetings. So you see 200 people on the screen, you know, at least three or four times a week, and they are just talking about the things that are resolving, all the things that they've unlearned, all the things they used to think were true, and they now realize the reason they were having problems is because they believe things that weren't true. Yeah. Yeah, and very compelling things. And... um they're saturated, uh, no pun intended on saturated fat, but they're, they're saturated with information about fat that's allegedly bad for you. Uh, LDL cholesterol is the, you know, is the bad thing. And it's just in incredible, just the misinformation that's out there. So it's, it's, it's for guys like us 
or I won't speak for other people, is, you know, for me to try and put things right. And, and I feel that we're doing that now. Um, and I think 2023 is just going to be a fantastic year because they just can't hide what's going on. They can't hide this amount of people that are getting better. It's yep. just out there. Yeah. No, I agree. I absolutely love that. You, you maybe you're not speaking for everybody, but you're definitely speaking for me when you're talking about like job satisfaction. And I, I'm just sitting here reflecting on all of those conditions that you're talking about. Like going back to the first time that I heard about carnivore, there's, there's no way, like my formal nutrition training that I got, there's no way that there was anything in there about a diet changing those things. And, and you're right. You named like 15 conditions. There's hundreds of conditions, as you mentioned. I routinely routinely see those things reversed and fixed forever for people. And it's wonderful. And I, I, same, I go to bed every night, super happy about my day. I'm excited about what I want to do tomorrow. I still save for retirement, but I don't even want to retire. Like it's so much fun to get this information <laughs> out there. And I agree with you. I, I think we're, we're going to eventually reach this point where too many people have fixed themselves that the information is going to be a lot more mainstream. And until then, it's really great to have these types of conversations. You mentioned a little bit about, you know, kind of what you were told about nutrition, but let's set the stage of your own personal journey. Can you tell our audience what you were told to tell people about nutrition? What, what did your nutrition education look like? Well, yeah, I, I covered nutrition for performance athletes and, uh, you know, the personal training who did the advanced personal training, like I say, got the specialist practitioner thing for obesity and diabetes. Now in the text, well, actually in the classes, um, any people have heard me say this, but it is it, it just so stark when we were doing the diabetes training and constantly hearing about dosing insulin in relation to carbohydrate intake. I mean, I literally did put my hand up. I know it sounds like a great soundbite, but I put my hand up and said, well, why don't we just lower the carbohydrates? Wow. You, and you was, knew that. That connected was, with you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was just... But it was obvious. You see, the thing is, it was constantly being said over days, over days, over days, you know. And when you, I think one of the things is when you come from the outside, when you've not done the medical training and you come from the outside and you've done other things which are definitely related to health and fitness. I mean, I was a bodybuilder. I did a bodybuilding tournament in my 20s. You know, I was playing a uh, reasonable level of soccer. I was reasonably good at tennis. So I was interested in sport and fitness and then having that injury and realizing I was told a categoric lie because I, I literally was told, this is it, your back has gone. That Here's an image, here's an x-ray, look at this, you're going to be in a wheelchair, that's it. Um, and realizing, well, that wasn't true, that wasn't true. Picking through my life, I could realize, so I can you know, just so vividly remember putting my hand up and saying, you keep saying carbohydrate intake, if it goes up, put the medication up. Surely we want to get people off the medication to take the carbohydrates out. Why not do that? And it, to me, and hopefully to your listeners, that's a common sense penny dropping moment because the tutor was like, well, <laughs> no, you can't do that. No, don't be silly. Everyone, everyone needs carbohydrates. And there was a few other things I was told that, you know, diabetes would be a problem for a patient waking up because their blood glucose would be low. So they have to eat this thing. And I was gobsmacked when we first got, you know, um, blood glucose monitors. And when I actually went out into the real world, because the reverse is absolutely the thing. The people that had the blood glucose monitors, the biggest thing they moaned about was that dawn phenomena, that morning awakening with huge amounts of blood glucose. So um, 
I will give them the due in one respect. I've gone over the textbook since, and there are definitely little paragraphs about low carb. I mean, it was a long time ago, but there was, you know, throughout the textbooks, they're definitely covering themselves and, and mentioning that, that that is a thing to consider. But when, you know, maybe 95% of the course isn't considering that, so that was one of the things I was taught. Um, if you're talking about the personal training side of things, you know, set some reps, which I now realize are very deleterious to get really bogged down into set some reps and, and high volume, a lot of volume and uh, what I call cross counseling. So counseling, which is, you know, you're doing strength training and cardio, which seems, you know, it, as soon as you look at it sensibly well actually that one's going to cancel the other because one is trying to build up muscle and uh, explosiveness and the other thing is trying to build up a lean muscle and a lean body and less explosiveness and more endurance so if you're doing both you're never going to be optimal I mean I used to do it and I looked okay and this is the thing when you're 20 you can get away with it you can definitely get away with eating all the things that really are uh, you know detrimental to your health because you're doing this great amount of activity you're burning up your glycogen stores you're younger you know you've got more testosterone uh you haven't had all these years of inflammatory responses happening in your body all these years of seed oils building up you know your cell membranes deteriorating because of your poor diet when you're younger you you know, seriously, this conversation, if I was 24 listening to this conversation, I would think, what, a couple of jokers, you need carbohydrates. I look great. I would think that. I wasn't that big-headed, but, you know, just paraphrasing, I would look at my, you know, I've just done a bodybuilding tournament. I know what I'm doing. I look great. Um, but, of course, even now, when I look back, I wasn't healthy, really. I could do things. I could run very fast, and I could do really good endurance running and you know, when you're doing soccer, I was, I was okay. Um, I got to a reasonable level. And like I say, I won one singles tournament in tennis. So I was really fit. But I now look back and think all those things I was told about carving up, uh, taking gels when I was running, uh, eight glasses of water a day. Oh, my word. All these terrible bits of advice. I now look back and think, Oh, I just wish I'd known what I know now when I was when I was in my 20s, well, even before that, to be honest. I, I wish I knew what I know now in my formative years because I would have been taller, I would have been more muscular, my bones would have been better, I wouldn't have had a cataract in my eye, I wouldn't have had a colonoscopy needed, you know, in my 40s, I wouldn't have had all that stress and anxiety and rashes. And it's, I was told all the wrong things. I mean, literally, I have so many clients sort of jokingly say, so Stephen, what you're saying is just do the opposite of what you're told. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think that is the nub of it. I think that is basically it. There's not much out there when it comes to public health services and mainstream uh, health advice where I ever go, oh, yeah, they've got that bang on there. That That's fantastic. <laughs> Very rare. Doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen. It no, doesn't happen. That's such a good point. Like if you did everything the opposite of what they said, like maybe that's not perfect, but you'd be damn close. Like that would be a really great diet for a lot of people. Tell us a little bit about your journey of learning about low carbohydrate diets and how that transitioned into carnivore for you. Okay. Um, well, it was it was a journey of listening to my own body, really, because I I've never smoked, I don't drink, I've never drunk. Okay, so and I did everything healthy, uh, and my wife's going to tell me off because. 
she says, many people have heard this story, but people ask me, so I tell her the same story. So I was doing all the things. I was doing skim milk. I was doing cereals. I was doing, you call it oatmeal. I was calling it porridge, uh, fruits, freshly squeezed orange juice, uh, egg white omelets. Oh, wow. Get rid of the best bit. Um, uh, I was, I believed in energy drinks, everything, uh, seriously, everything, uh, post-workout. You would, you would need energy drinks. drinks. If you're eating all those foods, you absolutely need energy drinks because <laughs> your energy is going to be bouncing up and down all day. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I now know. And it was, so I did everything, but the point is I did everything. I was, I'm one of the few people that's probably need to do everything. And, uh, I still got pre-diabetes. I still had lower left quadrant pain. So I had to have a colonoscopy. I still got a cataract. I still had rashes. I still had athletes foot. I was, I was getting tubbier, you know, I could not eat less and move more because I was running good distances three times a week. I was part of a running group. I mean, the, the guy taking the group had won marathons. This wasn't this wasn't people that were just jogging around the streets. This was serious competitive running, middle distance running, three times a week, uh, doing mile sprints. Honestly, I mean, I was doing everything, and I still got fatter. So I couldn't I couldn't really understand it. Because literally, I didn't do more. And, I, you know, I, I'll tell you a couple of personal things. Whenever I look at old photographs, uh, I'll say to Jane, that's my wife, um, oh, I love that shirt. What happened to that shirt? And she's, well, you, you got all cross with the fact you couldn't lose any weight. You threw it out because it didn't fit you. You know, and that's how frustrating it was because I was a personal trainer, ex-sports person, and, and I was doing all that I should do. And I think... There are now professionals that are coming out and doctors saying this and you know, general practitioners, dietitians, all saying the same thing. They're doing all that because what used to happen is, is if you didn't get a patient resolving anything, you would blame them. You'd say, well, you're not complying. You're not doing it. You're cheating. Uh, you're not doing your exercises, those sort of things. Well, I was, I was doing all that stuff. And then I think the qualification diabetes was was the final sort of piece in the jigsaw because it was all coming together. The obesity thing, I really got into, you know, insulin, understanding that. The best medical textbook I've ever read uh, is Guyton's um, Medical Physiology textbook, which I really do recommend, where it just said in a few lines, you know, the lack of insulin in your body will lead to fat metabolism, you know, being enhanced. And I think, right, well, there you go, right, okay, so now we've got that – and obviously studying type two diabetics, for instance, which blows the calorie theory out of the out of the water, because here's these humans that could be eating 10,000 calories a day. So they allegedly should be getting really big. But obviously, because they can't produce insulin, they wasted away. And before 1922, they died. I mean, however many calories, they could not gain weight. And there will be people saying, well, that, well that's just a medical condition, but it's proof of concept. Because as soon as you give them insulin, they gain the weight, they don't die. And you give them too much insulin, they get very fat, you know, and if someone's a type two diabetic and they inject in with insulin, if they don't change the site of injection, those areas get fat. That's it. That's known. So we know that, um, that insulin is lipogenic and, and it definitely makes your fat cells react and it certainly stops you burning fat. I mean, that's, that's definitely true. So this, this part of the obesity thing and then the diabetic side of things certainly made me question it. And it was just, I suppose, not a midlife crisis. It's a lovely landmark. I got to 50 and I thought, right, that's it. 
There's an episode of Seinfeld, I think, where George says, everything I've ever done in my life has gone wrong. So if I just do the opposite, it's got to go right. And as soon as... It's classic. That's a classic line, and it's definitely how I acted. It wasn't because of Seinfeld, by the way, but um, that's what I did. I just thought, right, okay, I'm actually going to embrace this higher-fat, lower-carb way of eating. I'm not going to do tons of endurance exercise. I'm going to do what feels right. I'm going to eat to my hunger signals. I'm going to stop when I'm full. I'm going to drink to thirst because water is a big thing. Um, we drink way too much water. I mean, if your urine is clear, you're drinking too much water. That That's just a fact. Um, your urine is a great gauge. Uh, I won't bore you with that one. But as soon as, soon as I went low-carb, I'm really talking maybe six weeks. I did, the weight was just coming off. I was feeling more energetic. Uh, the rash went. N- not everything resolved, and that's why, you know, I, and, but I'm a great believer in you've got to get into good habits. You can't just try something for 30 days. That's rubbish. And a lot of these scientific trials where they look at six weeks or eight weeks, it's like, well, those people weren't carnivore before or low carb, you know, it, it, you know, it's, it's not worth really what they're doing. So um, I gave it a long time and I didn't change uh, until, you know, a couple of years later where I, I, I got into keto and I am not ashamed to admit this. I mean, I was very persuaded by people like uh, Dr. Berg, Eric Berg. I know people don't like him, but I think he's a sort of gateway drug into better people, totally. if you see what I mean. Totally. You know, he's, he's, he speaks some sense, obviously not the seven cups of veg and all that, but, you know, he he was quite inspirational for me. And then at, at this point, I'd never even heard of Sean Baker, by the way. So I went keto and I was looking at, um, you know, Ken Berry, you know, I can remember him doing a video, which is very funny and tongue in cheek saying, eat your greens, eat your greens, which, you know, he meant at that time. So I feel like we had a parallel life for a bit where he was sort of realizing that maybe the veg wasn't good. And I was sort of realizing maybe the veg wasn't good. And then I got into the biology and like I say, do it, you know, the science degree I was doing, which is in physiology and health sciences. And I, I deliberately did my own research in biology. Uh, I was also doing some stuff because I don't know if you know this, but I am deaf, I wear hearing aids. And I was seeing that for the first time in my life, my hearing was getting better, which I've got empirical data and simple stuff like, you know, the, I've got an app on my phone to turn the volume up to hear people. And that's got, that was edging down and down and down. Everything was resolving. And I I just thought, well, I've got to get, I've got to get even better. I'm sure all things could resolve. And that's what happened. So I went keto and that was even better than low carb. And then when you're doing keto, I found a few things were problematic, like the keto treats. If I had a keto treat, wow, you know, I'd go straight back to sort of craving stuff and wanting the old things that, you know, used to appeal to me, which, you know, are not that bad, but they're still not good, you know? And, um, I, it, it, it didn't do it for me mentally. It's, I still craved. And, I just got to 55 and went carnival and that was it. it. It was as simple as that. I just thought I've got to do it. I, I want to try this for 30 days. Corny though that seems, and I know I just said about doing things for longer, but let's give it 30 days, see how I go. And if, if there is such a big improvement, boy, I'm going to stick to it. So three and a half years later, <laughs> that um, pretty much is proof of concept. It did get better things and things that I didn't realize were getting better because 
I was so used to them. An athlete's foot is a really good example. Although that's a very low level, sort of just what most people call a niggly condition, I had to get rid of it for years and done everything, acids and duct tape and uh, powdering my shoes and my socks and being barefoot as much as possible, everything, urinating on it, everything that I'd read. Nothing got rid of it. And so I'd given up trying to get rid of it and thought, well, that's, that's life. You know, that's that's with me for life. And, and that went and that went with carnivore. Didn't go with keto or low carb. Uh, I used to have a big red blob here when I was stressed. It just looked like somebody got a strawberry and you know s- splattered me when I got stressed. Wow. And it that's that's just gone. Um, like I say, uh, just so many things have improved. The skin's improved, and I suppose one thing that you're going to go wow because I know we've got some uh, some common ground, although we don't know each other very well. Um, the muscle side of things, the training side of things, that really was a big eye opener because as I got into the science and realized I was doing it wrong, uh, and also I had been telling people to do it wrong, which, you know, that's how we live. I'm afraid we all make mistakes. And it'd be nice if the big corporations could actually up the the balls to do it. But I realized that, you know, I, I'm leading people the wrong way with with high amounts of volume and overtraining people and not giving them enough rest. So I learned that from practicing what I've been reading about and preaching. And in one year, well, let's let's do some easy things for the people that like to know this sort of thing when you're training. Within three months of doing carnivore, my, my testosterone had gone up 30%. Wow. So, you know, 55 with no juicing, no, you know, no additions uh, to get that huge increase was amazing. Uh, I'm a qualified phlebotomist, by the way. So I, I was able to do the bloods. Um, I know it's very expensive for people, but I was lucky at that point. And I didn't think I could make strength gains like I made. And I have a, uh, a Tanita sort of body composition thing, which is uh, electrical impedance. Now, they are pretty good, and that particular company is, is pretty robust. But even if their figures are out, they're out all the time, if you see what I mean. So, so when I was not doing carnivore, I would do a body composition. When I was doing high carb, I'd do body composition. And I'd be I'd be pretty happy if I gained a couple of pounds in a year of, of muscle. And in one year, I gained nine pounds of muscle. Wow. wow I had such a, training, yeah, such a training response. I mean, I'm not particularly big now, and uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of an experiment, to be honest, where I haven't trained for four months because I want to see what happens, because I've been looking at a study about maintenance of muscle, and I, I want to test it out. And I was going to do three months, and I thought, well, do you know what, let's, let's push it to where that study is, because they look at maintenance of muscle with very little training uh, over an eight-month period. So the, that study's worthwhile, because it's a big study, with a lot of people, uh, muscle biopsies, those sort of things. And and it's inc- incredible, actually, because, you know, I, I haven't trained that bicep for four months. Wow. Wow. And, yeah. and he's still there. <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, I would be willing to bet what the results of that study would be for the people that are carnivore. My guess is even after taking that much time off of training, I'll bet most of them maintain every little bit of muscle mass. If, if they've lost any, I would be surprised. And if 
the amount was, you know, more than a pound or something, I would be surprised. Same with all the conditions that you mentioned. Like, again, going back to my level of knowledge when I got my nutrition certification, if your athlete's foot all of a sudden went away, I would think, okay, he's finally walking around barefoot enough or any of those other things you said. But now it's to the point where you've coached so many people, like, I expect all of those things to happen. I'm not really surprised by hearing all of those different things or hearing about you talked about on the Rivera interview, like the ringing in your ears, how that finally like went away or your hearing improving. Like I see that all the time. It's so cool. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's the point I've probably undersold actually, because all these studies and everything I'm reading about is still not based on people on carnival. You know, so um, I think, yeah, uh, you will get this double whammy of, of not only having you know, eight, you know, I'm not going to do eight months because I do actually enjoy training. So I do talk about that with people where they want to train more than maybe I would recommend. If their mental ability is going to be curtailed, if they're going to be anxious, you know, a lot of people exercise and it's it's the only thing that calms them down, actually, or keeps them sane, I suppose. Uh, if that's the case, then, you know, I, I have this expression, fill boots, basically. If, 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 if it's it's a net benefit thing. Yeah, you might not get the money you want, you might not get the strength you want, but if you've got anxiety problems and it brings your anxiety down and, and you can tolerate life a lot better, then, yeah. then it works for you. Okay. That's fine. That's great. Um, but all these studies are still based on people that are you know, having some sort of level of carbohydrate. And I, I think every single time there has been studies that have incorporated carnivore, the, the results are even better. And, you know, and if you look at We'll take a completely abstract sort of example. If you look at like Dr. Paul Mason talked about fiber, the the group that had no fiber in that start in that trial, which most people in the carnivore space actually know that that trial, you know, they all had resolution of all symptoms like pain and bleeding, renal uh, anal problems, and you know, uh, constipation. All those sort of things went away with no fiber. Uh, so I think. All these studies, I keep thinking, well, yeah, if they've got these brilliant athletes, but they've also had a couple of carnivores, they would have said, well, these are outliers because they're doing even better. Yeah. Um, and, and and that's one of the things, to be honest, because this, this maintenance of muscle over eight months in the study, and um, if people want to email them, if they're interested in all the stuff I'm talking about, I always have references for people. Uh, in the study, they maintained... Uh, muscle by doing one ninth of what they've previously been doing over eight months and they still had no loss of muscle mass or strength you know it's yeah you know just basically if let's say they've been tra training nine days out of ten and then having a rest day on the tenth now they could do the complete reverse you know have nine days off and train another tenth and not lose any muscle and lose any strength and that's one of the things Sorry, it's a very long answer to how do I train people. I, I apply all that sort of knowledge to people now. And I think that's one of the things I'm really surprised at because I have more people doing my online workouts. I have different ways of doing that. I use a thing called Workout Labs. I, I have a thing on the Steak and Butter Gang where I've got my own workshop. And obviously there's um, many different ways to train people. I also train people like this, you know, face-to-face -face just – hooking up on a zoom um i don't do my running coaching anymore because it's just not practical it's it it's not lucrative enough without being too blunt because if someone's training for a marathon you know i can't spend two three hours because the cost is too much for them yeah. to be honest so i mean i can guide people and i've done i have done that um and i had one challenge of a guy that just 
wanted to go from well, uh, so he was four stone overweight. So that's for, that's about fifty two pounds. He was fifty two pounds overweight, fifty and a smoker. Never exercised before, and he said, um, "Can you make me a marathon runner?" And I must admit, I looked at him and laughed and thought, "Well, yeah, I like a challenge." <laughs> I was tried to I tried to use my humour, and within a year, I was in the top twenty percent of the world. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So you can guide people. You can guide people uh, just with you know half hour. Of, once a week and a little bit of, um, I asked him to send me his stats, tell me what he was training. And then we tweaked his training and, you know, I did a log of what was going on in um, Excel. It was fantastic. I mean, I enjoyed it, but the hours I put in, I did charge him for because it would have been ludicrous because it was a lot of, you know, so one of the things I did when he was running and he, let's say he was doing um, 18 miles or something, he wore his, uh, you know, his sports wearable when I would watch him on the phone. Uh, I could track him and I could give him feedback by text. Great. I'm um, great systems, but it's still my time. So I've got, you know, and I could see him dropping the pace and, you know, I'd, I'd say you need to up your pace and all this sort of stuff. And um, it, it was fascinating. I mean, I loved it. You could probably tell from talking about it. It's not really where my business is now, but I, I did, I did enjoy seeing those results. And um, you know, I went to a couple of his races and it was cracking to see. And you just think, wow, yeah, you know, and um, sadly, because he'd been through a sort of tricky divorce, he didn't want any pictures. He didn't want people to see what he'd done, and it's a shame because he 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 should be so proud. I think he might regret that now, looking back, because the transformation was just out of this world. So um, yeah, but yeah. it was it was a good thing to do. Yeah, no, that's great. I want to talk about your training methods and and especially what you mentioned, Workout Labs. That's a resource that I also use and I really love. So I definitely want to talk about that. I do have one more question about nutrition with the people that you coach. Now, with, with Rivero, the company that we both work for, we have people seeking us out. People can go to the website. They can look at all the different profiles of all the different coaches, pick a coach, hire that person for whatever reason, and then it's a communication. Well, that means that we're working with people who are ready, willing, and able to do a carnivore diet or an animal-based diet to some degree, right? Mm. We're not, it's not vegans hiring us to tell us we're stupid like they tell me on YouTube all the time mm. or whatever. So that's a little bit different dynamic. But when you go back and you think about as you were transforming your life with the carnivore diet before you were formally coaching people through Avero, how was your coaching with the clients that you already had? They must have seen you go through all these amazing transformations. And I'm sure you were very excited to share that message with the people that you already had that may or may not have been super open to eating an animal only diet. What was that like? Well, that, that, my life is very different to, uh, to how it comes across, I guess, because once I did the obesity and diabetes meet uh, qualification, I would do this monthly meeting and we would just advertise. It was about nutrition and health and, I didn't know how many people would turn up. I certainly didn't push it like Weight Watchers. I said, you know, this is more about how food operates in your body, the the effects, why some people get fatter than others. And if you want to know why stuff happens, come along. You know, and I had a flip charts and um, pens and some really good graphs and all the resources and all the studies there. Uh, I remember one particular study had come out, which the BBC uh, had pushed and it was also in a lot of the mainstream papers and it was saying how bad low carb was and this study had said how bad low carbs was and I had the actual study 
And we were able to say, look, the thing is about this study, not one person was low carb. I mean, that was the first thing. Uh, they actually guessed how it would be if people were low carb. Absolutely awful. Uh, and um, so I would I would do that. And um, it was packed. It was packed every every month. As simple as that. And it was definitely not into um, Weight Watchers. But I did a little poll of people before. Do you still want us to weigh you? But would you be okay with body composition as well? So we had the fat calipers, tape measures, everything before and after photographs. And we'd have a group... And you'd, you'd know that maybe 10 would be, yeah, we're going for it. Everyone was really interested. Um, it was packed. You know, we only did an hour and we did a follow-up of a half an hour. I will get to the training, by the way. And the people that tried it were so impressed. It was like, wow, I want to exercise now. I feel so energized. Now I've lost all this fat. And I feel so much better, or I'm off my meds or whatever. I want to exercise. And that was the biggest difference because when you, uh, when I was a high carb, most people came to me because they wanted to lose weight. They were exercising for the completely wrong reason for fat loss, which is just not the thing yeah. you want to do. You've got to get your nutrition right first. And I say that to absolutely everybody. And that's been consistent, actually, even when I was high carb. I would say, well, what's your nutrition like? And they would say, oh, pretty poor, you know, pizza. I have a lot of sandwiches. I drink a lot of Coke. I have quite a few beers or whatever. And I would say, well, you know, you can train, but you can't outrun that diet. And again, that's really cool. Many people say, but it is true. You can't out-exercise a really bad diet. It's going to catch up for you one way or the other. So, um my was that's why I'm not a millionaire because I'm a personal trainer who sends you away and says, right, go and think about your nutrition first and then come back if you want to do the nutrition. But I think it's held me in good stead because people that have done it, you know, have realized that it is sort of like the butter on the steak when you're exercising. If you get your nutrition right, you see differences. And in that group, for instance, I'll give, give you a great example of what you said about maintaining muscle. Uh, it's a sort of flip around one of the women there was 77 hated exercise and she said to me this is this is brilliant you mean i could eat not exercise and lose some body fat and i went yeah absolutely that that's going to happen to you um and we do the composition and all that sort of stuff so the following month she comes in she says uh to me like privately oh my husband's really disappointed i've only i've only lost five pounds this month i said well I don't think that's true. I think you've looked more when you walk into that room, everyone's going to say, wow, what's, you know, what a difference. I think everyone will do that. So that did happen. And uh, when we did the body composition, yeah, she, on the weight, uh, weighing scale part of it, yeah, she'd lost, she'd lost, uh, you know, five, 5.2 pounds, something like that. But what she'd also done is gained some muscle and gained some bone mineral density. So her actual weight was better, but her body fat, wow. I mean, she must have lost about 10 pounds of body yeah. fat yeah. while increasing muscle, while increasing bone density and looking fitter. And, I, I, you know, she came back the following month and, and, you know, absolute convert without any exercise whatsoever. And that's what turned her on. She said, I, I, don't, I don't like working out. I don't like treadmills. I don't like cycling. I don't like anything. I don't want to lift weights. I just want to get some of this body fat off. And I said, well... This is one of the conceptions as well. And I've seen a couple of YouTube influencers talking about this phrase, but I use this phrase. You don't have to exercise. 
You don't have to. That's not saying exercise is bad. That's saying you don't have to. It's a great idea to exercise, but if getting you to eat the right way, the only way we can convene that is telling you, you still don't have to exercise. Then you get that person starting to lose weight. Then what happens is they want to exercise. And once you get the person wanting to do it and asking you to do it, then, uh, I hate this word, but the compliance to the program is higher because it's come from a motivated place where they want to do it. And surely, you know, that's that's a much better way to approach it than saying to someone from the get-go, yeah, you've got to eat this way and also I'm going to send you an exercise plan. Because you've immediately said 50% of your life you're going to hate it's rubbish to say it like that. And I think, think, yeah, I think the thing that I, you know, because I do say you don't have to, and I've heard that quoted on a couple of YouTube um, channels. That's not saying exercise is bad. That's saying you don't have to. Yep, I agree. And and the funny thing is, these people will eventually want to, they will choose to, on their own accord, do the exercise because it will feel good to them. When you're overweight, it doesn't feel good. It's not fun. You're going to absolutely hate it. And so, yeah, you're right. I, I love approaching it that way. Let's fix the nutrition. Let's get your brain right. And then we can address exercise down the road. And my next, which is perfect segue to my next question. It's something you've already said and you've already talked about, but I, I think it's so important that it needs to be reiterated. You and I will explain this just a little bit differently, but very similar. There are certain kinds of exercises that make you more efficient with your energy. So that sounds good. There are other kinds Mm -hmm. of exercise that make you inefficient with your calories. And that doesn't sound as good. But when people start to put those two things together, hopefully they think, wait a second, like if I do what makes me efficient, that means I'm going to burn less. I'm not going to burn as many calories. If I do things that make me inefficient, I'm going to burn more calories. I'm going to have better energy. I can eat more. I can have more protein. Can you explain the difference between those two things? Yeah, I, I would I would say that very differently. So I always use... Um, the example of a marathon runner and a, and a hundred meter sprinter, both are fit. So we, I think we'd both agree we could loosely say they're fit. We don't know what their personal history is, but if they can run a hundred meters pretty fast, that guy's or, or female, very, very fit, explosive, muscular, probably pretty good. And the, the marathon runner has great deal of muscular endurance and all that sort of stuff. But if you're training a marathon runner, you have to say to them, look, you've got a certain amount of uh, energy on board. And again, I don't tend to use calories because I think calories probably not the right thing to talk about um, because we're talking about energy because calories from protein is more about structure rather than energy. So you have a thousand calories of protein. It's not going to be oxidized for energy. It's going to be going towards making your hair, your muscles and bones and all that sort of stuff. So I tend to talk about energy more than anything. Um, so yeah, so the, so you've got a certain amount of energy to run this race because you're already a person, your proteins made you and you have a certain amount of energy if you can do 100 meters. Right. So this one is going to go and run 26 miles. So you're teaching your body to burn that stored energy slower over a long period of time. Your te- That's what you're doing. Your training response is exactly that. You know, and the notorious wall you hit after 23 miles is because your onboard storage is not sufficient to get you to 26 miles, which is why a marathon is really hard. And you're tra- training yourself to be able to, essentially, I know we have stops for water and oranges and gels and all that, but let's forget all that. Um, let's just keep it basic. You're trying to run 26 miles 
with as few stops as possible as and to do it as fast as possible, but there are limitations. So your training response is exactly that. You're going to have a lower metabolic rate. You have to, because if your metabolic rate was really high and burning up energy ever so quickly and explosively, you're going to 10 miles and you're going to need to stop and eat, or you're going to need to inject uh, yourself or put some glycogen into your, your glucose into a drink and, and neck it, you know? So, it makes total sense. So that's what you're training the body to do. That's why a marathon runner looks like a marathon runner because the body's pretty smart. Lean muscles, lean and light bones. You know, the smaller uh, frame, the easier it is to carry it a long distance. Now, that's not good, is it? That's endurance. If you're trying to be uh, burning fat in your resting periods because you're not running all the time, more of your day is spent sitting around and lying in bed, definitely. You know, a third of your day is going to be resting at least. You're going to be in a state where you're not burning much energy because you've taught your body, yeah? Uh, whereas if you've got a 100-meter sprinter, super explosive, I just want some energy very quickly, but then I'm going to stop I'm going to stop after, if you're quick, after 10, 15 seconds, and then I'm going to rest. And I'm going to completely recover. All my glycogen stores are going to fix up and my body temperature is going to come down. Perfect. I might run again. I might do another 100 metres. And, and you get the body of a 100-metre sprinter. Now, I know they're extremes, but that's just to get it in people's head. That's what you're doing. So if you're going in the gym and you're doing uh, you know, deadlift, one day, bicep, row, calf raises, very small sort of uh, variety of exercises, but a couple of really compound ones, and you're doing them explosively with good weights, working to fatigue. You're training your body to be really efficient when you're not, you're doing the training response. It's not about the training, it's the response. Because if you did that training, you did a perfect workout, and then you went off, your nutrition was poor, you didn't recover, you went back in three hours later and did the same thing you're not going to get the training response. So you've got to recover and let your body, uh, you know, repair everything. Um, and and that makes sense. That makes total sense to me when I explain it like that. And, and I think people really do like that sort of explanation. But that's when you get the, and I did it, I, you know, I, and, and I'll tell you, when I did my bodybuilding show, I went to Gold's Gym afterwards. The day after I flew out, went to Gold's Gym and I was in the gym there and there was a bodybuilder called Sean Ray. And I know these guys are juicing. It's not a big problem for me if people are doing that. Um, and there he was on the bike, sweating away. So I know you can do it, but they are exceptions. Yeah. And I did it. And I now look, look back and think, wow, if I had just been in the gym, as I am now, not doing any cardio, not doing any endurance, I would have looked better yeah. and I would have been fitter and I would have found maintaining my, you know, body composition a lot easier because yeah. my better metabolic rate at rest would be burning more energy because that's what I've trained it to do. Very well explained. I really appreciate that. And I just wanted to reiterate that for people to, who are listening to think about what your goals are. And if your goals are weight loss, you're not going to accomplish it the way you think you will by doing a lot of cardio, by running around all over the place because you're going to be efficient with your calories. Get into strength training, hire a trainer, have somebody take you through a good program that you can do. You'll see much better results. You'll look more like who you want to look like by doing that. And so I'm really glad 
glad that you came to that conclusion. I did the same by using metabolic carts for over a decade. And, and I think it's really important to hammer that home. And again, for the listener, m- make sure you remember that when you're, you're choosing how to spend your time and what you're doing for your exercise when you're ready to exercise. You mentioned before how your business shifted over to online. And so now I think this is a good time to talk about online platforms and the way that you coach people in particular, we'll give them a shout out, Workout Labs. I chose Workout Labs as my way to do virtual online training because everything went online during the pandemic. I had no job. I needed to find a good platform that allowed me to filter out exercises based on what people had available. Since everybody was at home, they were in their own little silos. Well, this client has bands. This other client has an amazing setup with weights and gym equipment. This other client doesn't have anything besides a few water bottles and, you know, body weight exercises, a chair, that kind of thing. And Workout Labs was my choice to go to because it allows me to filter that and get the right programs to the right people. So I'm very curious how you landed on that as your training tool to help people get on really good training programs and what your experience has been, you know, with them and with your clients. Yeah, it's been good. I, I like to work out labs. I like the simplicity. I think it's got much better in the last um, year, actually. I think the programming and the illustrations are better and the additions of, of a lot more exercises. Um, I'll get the negatives out of the way first because I, I like to be a positive person. So there's a few things, for instance, I train with the X3 band and I think that they're, uh, you know, they don't cover that. And it's a popular piece of kit. I don't know why they can't just get the illustrated to do the three exercises because there's only eight of them. So that's a little nick with me. And I think that will change. I do think that will change. And I think adding the timing rather than go reps and reps and sets is really good because you can, you know, switch it on your mobile or however you're looking at it exercise and listen to the audio cues. And you don't have to have a separate interval timer on your phone or look at your stopwatch write anything down i think i think that's really good um, when i started i also had a rehab program not from them which was called exercise rx or something like that or rehab rx and um that was very much into sort of like the clinical physical therapy type of thing and that was beautiful but the the rehab software is very very expensive so i think what's happened now is they've got more into sort of stretching and some other bits that can be uh rehabilitation type exercises and you can put your own exercises so sadly i had to get rid of that, that other program which was excellent by the way i mean it was a fantastic program with some really good videos of of, of exercises and um but now i've got the technology to be able to do those videos myself or get Jane to do them, you know, because she looks better on camera than I do. So Workout Labs was just the perfect, perfect thing because people get a daily email saying, you know, what their program is, then they just click on it, comes to life. You know, you can you can then feed back to the PT at the end of the exercise or end, end of the session, I should say, and, and give me the feedback and say, yeah, I liked that. I didn't really enjoy the squat today, but I got – got them done whatever you want to say um I, I would like you to include hip bridges or add work more on my biceps because i'm opposed whatever it is people can say it and you can react straight away you can just tailor it i think so i think it's a fantastic bit of care i mean it's one of those things i've stuck with yeah it used to be a little bit frustrating i'd, I'd like it to be a, an, an app personally i'd like it to be a native app you don't have to connect to the internet to get it to work but um 
Yeah, it's fantastic. And I, I think it's just so flexible. And I've got some brilliant people on there. I love the accountability. I always, when I sign people up and do it all online, I will have a screen share. I could do a screen share now if people have never seen it. And I show them the calendar and I show that what I see. I say, look, I can see that you're online now. And I can also see from other people, obviously, I don't show those people because it's private. I can see that such and such hasn't been on for seven days. And they 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 had three workouts logged and they haven't done them. And it's not about guilt, actually. It's more about accountability. So if they know someone is, is looking, and I always message and say, is everything all right? You know, I see you've missed a couple of workouts. No sweat. If there's a problem, you're moving, whatever's going on. You know, I, I obviously get to know these people. So, uh, you know, one, one is moving over Christmas. Worst thing in the world. I'm not expecting them to work out. You know, because they're a huge move, going from one side of America to another. It's cold. There's an energy crisis. You know, working out for half an hour twice this week is not a big problem for me. That I understand Christmas. You know, so no sweat there. But I think it's I think it's brilliant. It's really easy. It was definitely the best program for just simplicity and not trying not trying to sell their thing not you know you give them a client basically uh and then they sell that didn't happen i was quite i was quite pleased with that i mean a little bit upset about three years ago when they started to push these yoga cards you know like playing cards Um, i remember that yeah 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 and it's like i don't think the people i've signed up want yoga cards so that was it. And, uh, but they listen. That's a great thing. And they listen to messages. And um, I suppose the time difference has been the biggest problem for my UK clients, because if there is a problem, like with the tech or one of the, uh, you know, one of the illustrations is quite right. And I send a message to them. You know, I always say I can't get an, I like to get an answer that day if I can, but I'm not going to because they're asleep. That's fair enough. But it there's nothing I can do about that. So I'm a great believer in if there is a real problem, you have to face it and accept that's a problem. Um, but the benefits outweigh that problem. That's a big thing in actually how I train and also how I coach people is there are real problems. We can't say everything is solvable. You know, if someone comes to me and says, yeah, I want to look like a swimmer and they just haven't got the genetics for that or they want to look like, you know, great boxer looks like, you know, it, and they haven't got the genetics or they haven't even got the motivation, I will say that. So um, the same with, same with you know, how I buy things. If there's something, if something's really brilliant, but there is a little niggle and there's nothing better than that, then I have to put up with that niggle. And yeah. that's it. The time delay is the only thing that I can really think of that's, that's bad. Yeah. But it's so good, isn't it? It's so interactive and flexible. I think it's a, it's a brilliant program, actually. Yeah, well, I'm really glad that we talked about it. I saw it on your page. You did a great, I don't know if it was a video or a handout. I can't remember, but you talked people through like, this is how coaching with me looks like. This is what we do. And you showed a lot of the screenshots and I thought it was really helpful. And it's been a great tool for me. It is a tool. It's not the best thing for everybody all the time, but for people that need really well thought out personal training programs that have some progression that have, you know, a way to deliver that easily. I think it's great. And so, yeah, I really appreciate you sharing your experience with that. This has been an amazing conversation, super fun and very energetic. Tell us where you would like people to go to find you, to connect with you and your work and your coaching. Okay, well, my website is theukcarnivore.com. So that's nice and easy. Uh, I have an in Instagram, which is the Instagram 
uh, at the UK Carnival. So that's pretty easy. Um, I do most of my work at the Steak and Butter Gang now, actually. I do meetings there. So if you sign up for a 30-day challenge, you'll see my ugly mug at least once a week. I host the health concerns meeting where I talk about, you know, blood to the phlebotomy side of my work and people come about different things, obviously diabetes, obesity. Um, and I also do a fat loss and fitness meeting there. So it's good. And and that's a really, that's a really good thing to do. You know, it's 30 bucks for 30 days and you get so much support. You get so many meetings. They always have experts, Dr. Chafee and all that. So I really enjoyed doing that. So that's, you know, where I'm at. Uh, but like I say, you can contact me from the um, website as well. And my email is uh, zerocarbcoach at gmail.com. So that's good. Oh, and of course, my YouTube channel, awesome. which is, uh, you know, youtube.com uh, forward slash Coach Stephen at Coach Stephen, because they've got these new things now. Excellent. Let me just tell you. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's uh, youtube.com. And then it's a forward slash at Coach Steven. That's okay. YouTube. Great. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. We will make sure we add that onto the notes. I certainly appreciated seeing your mug for the last hour. This has been a great conversation. Stephen Thomas, thank you so very much for everything that you've gone through. And thank you for appearing on our show today. We really appreciate you. And this has Thank been you. A, it's been a pleasure. It was an honor to host you. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. At the close of one year and the beginning of a new year, I just wanted to make sure to thank you, the listener, for all of your support and for listening to our show. 2022 was an amazing year that saw lots of growth with the podcast, but also came with amazing results with the people that we get to work with in our business, Boundless Body. We began our business during the confusion of the 2020 pandemic and opened up in July of that year. And we've been absolutely amazed with how things have gone. It was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and a lot of building the plane as we were flying it, but it's turned out amazing. We just absolutely love seeing our clients clients get amazing results. We love seeing all the great feedback and positive reviews that come through on Apple. So if you haven't already, please leave us a review there on Apple as it's the best way for the show to continue to grow and impact the lives of people all over the world. We're super excited for 2023. We already have lots of great guests and topics lined up, and we have no intention of slowing down our releases anytime soon. <laughs> also, feel free to check out our premium content, which we post on Patreon. There you will find our extended and unedited episodes, which we post on the day of recording. So you actually don't have to wait for the edited version of the podcast to release, which can sometimes be several weeks, actually. And on Patreon, you will also find the Boundless Body Radio premium podcast. This was my special project this year, I really wanted to combine all of the very best clips about one topic from our show to combine into extended episodes that take a very deep dive into a topic. I've created two separate topics as a masterclass that are three episodes each. One is all about the macronutrients, and the second is all about keto and ketogenic diets. That way you can get a fantastic education from some of our amazing guests in a format that can help you zero in on the topic that you are most interested in, something I'm very proud of and believe that we are sharing this content for a very high value. Remember that you can also book a complimentary 30-minute session with us on our website at myboundlessbody.com. And thank you again so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio.